welcome everyone to my first episode of my new podcast called ABCs with D. Always be closing with Dakota. Uh, we're going to be talking about business, entrepreneurship, tech, sales and marketing, startups, scale-ups, really everything in between. My first guest needs no introduction, George Frempong. He is the co-founder and SVP of Global Sales for the Herjavec Group. For those folks who don't know who the Herjavec Group is, uh, CEO Robert Herjavec is on ABC Shark Tank. Uh, the Herjavec Group was rated the number one cybersecurity firm by Cyber Ventures. Um, there's lots of other accolades, but we don't have all day. So George, thank you so much for joining. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Really appreciate you taking the time. I know you're super, super busy. And so how's the working from home thing going? It's actually pretty good. You know, I mean, um, I've noticed that since I've been working from home, I've, I've been, you know, uh, I probably shouldn't be saying that, but I'm a lot more productive. Uh, I've had a lot of time on my hand to think about strategies. You know, I mean, I've worked longer hours as well, too, as a result of, uh, of what's happened, I guess, in our economy, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I'm working from home as well. I have a young daughter, so that's, uh, it's interesting to say the least, but I mean, to speak on the COVID thing, I think it's important that we acknowledge that obviously it's real, it's happening, it's affecting people, it's affecting businesses. I think there's a lot of content out there right now talking about COVID. I think for yeah. me, I, I, I'm actually making a conscious decision for this discussion to not really hone in on that right now. Um, I've had the opportunity to work for you for years. I consider you a mentor. I've been able to pick your brain and get strategy from you. And I'm almost looking at this as an opportunity to, to do that for other folks. So when the pendulum swings, because we're being optimistic, yeah. when this passes, people are in a little bit of a better position to maybe add something to their toolkit um, to yeah. be in a better position to win once this is done. So yeah. what yeah. are you looking to do? Yeah, I mean, I mean, just to add to your your comment in regards to COVID, yeah, it is affecting a lot of people. I mean, I know, and I, I've, I've been talking to a lot of customers yeah. and the anxiety of the situation in terms of, you know, having to, you know, be confined to your homes and not really be able to go outside. It's, 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 it's very difficult and it's yeah. difficult times for a lot of organization and even the small businesses that are, are trying to maintain the day-to-day -day operation in terms of what they do and depending on what sector you're in, yeah. you know, um, it could depend on whether you're being affected or not affected. Like, I mean, we just wrapped up our Q1 yeah. and surprisingly enough, like, I mean, our numbers, uh, we grew our Q1 numbers comparison to Q1 of 2019 by 40%. Wow. That's yeah, great. Right. And so, you know, I mean, in a, in a downturn market like this, you know, I mean, to get those kind of numbers, it's fantastic. Sure, sure. No, absolutely. And, it, and it's nuts. I mean, I, I, you were my first call. Uh, when this happened, I called you about what I was going to do with my business and the decisions yeah. that we were going to make, because it's insane. And, there, and, the, and I guess the disappointing part is there's no finish line. We're not right. sure yet. So there's a bit right. of uncertainty. Right. Uh, but I mean, I think the advice that I can give to people, like, I mean, if you're, especially if you're running a small business, something similar to yours, yeah. the, the key goal for you is to make sure that your business exists. Yeah. Once we, we, we pass, you know, these hard times, right? I mean, without a business, I mean, there, there's nothing that you can basically run after that, right? I mean, so you got to be very okay. cautious about that and make sure that your business is able to sustain this blow and yeah. move forward and to become stronger after this. Survival, absolutely. I mean, in a lot of our clients, like as you know, I work with a lot of tech startups and scale-ups. Some have decided to pause operations. Some have decided to continue to push forward. Right? right, like depending on what service or 
product they offer, potentially they can actually add value right now. Right. So it's, it's up and down, but it's a tough time, but we're hoping that this will pass. We're being optimistic and, and looking to the future. Oh, for sure. It will pass. And I think we'll get stronger by it. And you know what I mean? Um, so looking forward to the future for sure. Absolutely. So let's start off with a bit of a background, George. Let's talk sure. about, you know, where you grew up, where you went to school. What, what was young George like? Let's, let's start there and give people some context. Yeah, I mean, uh, young George, um, growing up, I wasn't focused. Uh, you know, I mean, I'm, I think, you know, I, I don't speak for myself. I speak for a lot of young people. Um, didn't have really a, a, any direction in terms of where I wanted to go or what I wanted my life to become. Um, you know, I was, I was a big basketball player growing up. You know, I had this dream of uh, becoming an NBA player, but that obviously didn't work out. I went to prep school in the U.S., the whole nine yards, um, and uh, I ended up going to Sheridan College. Um, and um, I did some schooling here and um, got all Canadian, uh, got all the accolades that I probably needed. And then when I graduated from school, that's when reality really sunk in. You know, I mean, it's like, you know, a young man, what am I going to do with my life? What yeah. business am I? I mean, I went to school for marketing and business. And so I, I, I dovetailed into that and I wanted to really get into that, uh, that line of business, but they weren't hiring anybody like myself. Right. And so what I ended up doing um, is I took a lot of, um, uh, I went to Manpower as an example, uh, right. so the agencies and then they placed me at, you know, a number of different uh, companies and I remember the, the one that stood out for me was um, CIBC. So I worked at CIBC Student Loan Center, yeah. um, where I was an interest relief analyst, if you okay. can imagine. Yeah, <laughs> fancy title for doing absolutely nothing, just giving people interest relief. Um, you know, I mean, for those that who couldn't pay their, their six months after graduating from school. Yeah. And I remember at the time I was, um, I was dating somebody and her mother was a business lady. And... Uh, one of the advices that she gave me was dress for the job you want, not the job, not dress for the job that you want tomorrow, not the job that you have today. And I remember that. And I remember I used to wear suits to go to work every day and people used to laugh at me and say, look at this guy. He thinks he's either fancy or he thinks he's better than us. Right. And, um, I, and so, but that helped. And, you know, I mean, and one day I was going out for lunch, dressed in a business suit, wearing a tie. And I bumped into two two guys uh, that were coming from lunch and they stopped me and they gave me an opportunity to uh, have a chance to work for their company, okay. uh, which is Rack Systems, which is Robert's first company. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Robert had a company in the uh, early 90s called Brack Systems. It was a security company. They were the first company to bring Checkpoint into Canada. Okay. And so these two individuals brought me in and they wanted to hire me as an inside sales position. Yeah. So at the time they had... Um, they had a seminar that they were running across Canada. Um, and my role and responsibility was to be uh, the inside guy to call and book the seminar and book the seats for people to come to the seminar. Okay. And, uh, I remember that. And I remember the first day on the job, um, they gave me a big book and they said, here's all the phone numbers, pick up the phone and make calls and book the seminar. And uh, I had no problems doing it. Obviously, you know, I mean, they gave me the script. Um, I think I did it really well because, and I know that because after two, three days, I had actually booked the entire seminar. Oh. And so, yeah. And so I knew, 
I had the ability to take instructions from people, get on the phone, yeah. and basically deliver what they're asking me to deliver. So after three days, I had booked the entire seminar. And um, what, I, what I missed to tell you was that they gave me a temporary position. Like, I mean, I was a guy who had no sales experience. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I had no background in sales. And so they gave me a temporary position, a two-week temporary position. And in three days, I have accomplished what they wanted me to do in two weeks. So smart business guy like myself, I went back to them after the third day and I said to them, I was like, uh, this is great. You know, I mean, I've accomplished what you needed me to accomplish, but today's going to be my last day. Right. Okay. I'm not sure if I should be telling you, uh, this, but I told them that today's going to be my last day. And they, they were dumbfounded. They didn't understand why, you know what I mean? Considering that I had accomplished everything that they wanted me to do in, yeah. in such a short period of time but it was a temporary position. And so what I did is I told him that today was my last day. And I said that I had another opportunity that I was going to pursue. Yeah. And in turn, because they didn't want to lose me because they found that, you know, I mean, I had some level of skills uh, that they could appreciate. And so um, they offered me a position and yeah. that was the beginning of my sales career working for Robert Herjavec in his first company. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. let's, let's slide back a little bit because I know you talked about sports sure. and I want to address the, the Robert story in a sec, but I know we both played sports, right? I played competitive sports as well. I played for rugby in Canada uh, for basketball as well. I know that right. you played competitive basketball. You always talked about a correlation between people that played sports and people that were good salespeople. Yeah. Uh, do you still buy into that methodology? Do you think there's a real correlation or is it fluff? Like, do you, do you think it's real? thousand percent. Anyone who, I mean, I've hired a number of people, as you know, I mean, I've hired you and look at, look at, you know, the outcomes that, you know, you have been able to achieve sure. in your career. I yeah. mean, I believe that anyone who has played any level of sports growing up understands teamwork and understands competition and understands pressure. Yeah. Because I think in sales, the biggest issue with a lot of salespeople in this, in this, in this world is, is their ability to cope with pressure. Yep. And I find that athletes can cope with pressure because they've been in that situation before. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And I think, and also having the desire to win because yeah. sales is competition and not, let's not confuse it. I think a lot right. of people coming in don't want to make it to be a competition, but it is a competition. You're competing against your peers, you're competing against your competitors and it is what it is, right? Yeah. So yeah. just owning that. Um, what would your, you know, you talked about school, you did business and uh, marketing. I, you know, that I, I disliked school. I, I love to learn. I hated right. school. Yeah. Um, I, I don't, I think Elon Musk said school. Uh, I didn't fail school. School failed me. Just the way they talked, you know, the way they, they taught in school, it, it wasn't something that I, that I enjoyed. So with yeah. that, what kind of student were you? Like, what would your grade 10 teacher say about you? I was average. I was, I was probably very average. Like, I mean, school to me, you know what I mean, was, you know I mean? I would never tell my children that, but it was a means, it was a means to an end. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, you know, growing up, I was more interested in playing basketball than I was going to school, but I knew in order to play basketball, I had to go to school. Yeah. So like school really, for me, wasn't anything that excited me. You know what I mean? I, I believe that once I got into the real world, yeah. That was where the excitement is. Like, I mean, what you learn in books doesn't equate to what you learn in real life. Thousand percent. Yeah. And I, I went to school because there was, you know, Ropsa Offsa finals. <laughs> and I knew if I didn't go to class, then I wouldn't be able to play. Right. <laughs> and right. it was that simple. Right. So 
A hundred percent. A hundred percent. So did you always see yourself, like when I was in school and people would ask me, you know, what are you going to be? What are you going to do? I never saw myself working in an office, like wearing a suit every day, wearing, working in an office. If somebody said, that's what you're going to do, Dakota, I, I would have laughed at them. Yeah. Did you see yourself working and being, you know, the co-founder of one of the most successful cyber companies globally? Like, did you see yourself there? Not co-founder, not at the beginning, but I did see myself working in an office environment. I always seen myself as the guy that, you know, I mean, would dress up to go to work, you know, I mean, I would come home in a suit, you know, type thing, you know, I mean, I would have a fancy car, if you want to call it, and, you know, a nice house, right? And so I did vision that um, from my early start of my career. Um, and that's where I, I definitely wanted to be. In terms of the co-founder thing, uh, that didn't come to me until later. Okay. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about that. And okay. similar to your point, I mean, I, I always knew I was going to be successful. I just didn't know what that meant. Right. And then in working with yourself and, and Robert, it really normalized um, success and entrepreneurship for me because I was around it every day. So right. it normalized it and it became less of a risk to go start my own business because I was around people who had done that and had been super successful. So a lot of people are, are, are scared to take that step and all my family, like they're just, they look at me and they're like, you're nuts. Like, I can't believe you went and did this. But to me, it was like, I was around guys that did this several times over and were super successful. So yeah. why couldn't I, right? Yeah. So for- but, you're, but you know what, to be honest with you, you know, on that statement, you were a little bit different. Like, you know what I mean? Even when- you told me that you were starting your own business. I was a little shocked. Not saying that, you know what I mean, you weren't ready to do it, but like, I mean, in terms of, you know what I mean, at your age, at the time that you decided to make that move, yeah. like, I mean, most people don't do that in their lifetime. And so, you know, you're on a whole different, but like you said, I think you came from an environment where you were able to learn and yeah. you heard and you understood the mistakes that people had made in the past yeah. and that you were able to take that and, you know, I mean, be confident enough to open up your own business. So that's, that's definitely a plus. Because I got to tell you, a lot of people have been doing business for a very long time, wouldn't have the guts to be able to do what you did. Sure, sure. No, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. It's a, it's a grind, though, as you know, right? It's a grind. Yeah. So, yeah. so take, it, take us back. Like, first, what's the meet-cute story between you and Robert? Like, how, how did you guys meet? What's the story? Yeah, so when I got hired um, for this for his, uh, you know, his company at Brack Systems, and he hired me on as a inside sales rep. Yeah. I remember the first time I met with him, um, and this was when they wanted to keep me on board. I went into his office, and you know, as green as I was, you know, I mean, you know, Robert back then, you know, he's a little different than what he is now, look wise, obviously, and yeah. you know, but the the intensity and the motivation hasn't changed. He's the same guy from that level, and so I remember going into his office, you know, and um, very interesting. And he's like, tell me, what do you know about a firewall? Um, I'm looking at him. I was like, is it a wall that has fire? <laughs> you know what I mean? I had, I, had, I had absolutely no clue in terms of technology. You know what I mean? I just knew that, you know what I mean? You tell me, give me a script, tell me to get on the phone and to pitch it to somebody. I had the capabilities of doing that. And I could do that. I could sell anything. Right. And so, you know, and I was explaining to him, he's like, you don't know anything. And I was like, I don't today, but I can tell you this. If you give me this opportunity, I will become the best salesperson you have ever hired in your organization. Nice. Yeah, yeah. And what gave me that confidence? Because the, what gave me the confidence is because 
the company was a relatively successful company. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, not to be arrogant or anything, but I've seen the individuals that were working in that company. Sure. And I've seen, I seen what they were able to deliver. And I said, with a little bit of knowledge and understanding in terms of how to do the day-to-day sales ability, no yeah. one's going to outdrive me in terms of ambition and, yeah. and the ability to be successful. And so I felt that if I got that chance or somebody gave me that chance, yeah. there was no way that, you know what yeah. I mean, I would be denied. And, you know, what really motivated me was when I walked into an environment like that, you got to keep in mind, I'm a young man. I'm trying to get things going from a career perspective. Yeah. And you see these guys are wearing nice fancy suits. They're driving nice cars. As a young man, that motivated me. And I said, you know what? This is the perfect group of people that I can hone my skills you know, around and be able to learn and be able to be successful. And so I took advantage of that. When I, I mean, I don't know if you remember when I started with you, I was 18. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know, I know. I, I know that because I got a lot of flack and a lot of heat because when I hired you on board and, you know, one of the conversations that I had with Robert, to be honest with you, was that you're hiring an 18 year old. She should be going to university. Why is she not going to university? And yeah. so, you know, I, I remember having to defend that conversation for a, a very long time. Percent. A thousand percent, right? And I think, yeah. you know, it, it, it was interesting because to me, during that time to work with you and all the other senior people at the Hunchback Group, it was, it, I consider that my MBA. I always say, put me in front of somebody that has an MBA, I'm going to kick their ass every yeah. time. There's just yeah. no way. I was in real meetings, real board meetings, real negotiations, real presentations. And I, you know, like to your point, Robert, I mean, was absolutely ruthless. <laughs> His yeah. sales meetings were ruthless. So <laughs> it, it was just like, to me, it was the best environment for learning. And I yeah. want to touch on something that you said there about like the, the storytelling piece of sales, the, 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 which I think a lot of salespeople have a hard time with. A, a lot of my clients, they're great tech engineers, they're great tech architects, they're brilliant, but they don't know how to articulate a story to make somebody actually care. Like I remember when I first started with you and we go to these lunch and learns and I was like, oh God, like I don't even know what a URL filtering sim slash this, this, this. And you're like, calm down. It's, you have to understand the technology to an extent, don't get me wrong, but you're not an engineer. Your goal is not to be an engineer. You're supposed to tell a story to get people to care. Like, yeah. why will this technology help them in their day-to-day? What is it going to do for them? And so, like, how important is storytelling in sales? It's critical. Like, I mean, it's, 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 it's the number one key, I would say, in terms of being a successful salesperson. Like, I mean, if you can't tell a story and you're very dry in terms of your delivery, and, you know, I mean, no one's going to remember you. Yeah, like, nobody cares. I mean, yeah, the key, the key to being successful is you got you to remind yourself that, you're competing against maybe 10 to 15 other people. And yeah. so when you walk in the door, if you don't have that story, if yeah. you don't have that ability to tell somebody that story, how are, how are they going to recognize you moving forward? Well, exactly. And that's what I say. I mean, Robert would always say that. It's not, it's not what you say because people are barely listening, right? Yeah. It's yeah. do they remember you when you leave the room? <laughs> yeah. Right? Like, so 100%. Like I, I talk... People are out there talking about content, content, content. And I always say to all of our customers, like, it, it's not the content, it's the context. Like, what are you actually saying? At that talk that you saw me at last, uh, the conference that we went to, I spoke on a panel about, you know, I could buy those white pair of Nikes from you. And because there's a thousand white pairs of Nikes, but if you told me Michael Jordan wore them, then yeah. I would care. Yeah. Like, I think people are really, they don't know how to do that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So it's a challenge. But 
I, I want to talk about some of the lessons learned when you first started the Hirchback Group. Obviously, it's a grind. Like I started my business three years ago. It's still a grind. We're, we've grown exponentially. We're, it's super successful. We have a ton of clients in the U.S. as well as Canada. But it's hard. I think people get caught up in the Instagram flash, pools, jets, mansions, la, la, la. And they don't really actually understand or appreciate that it's not easy. And it's, it's not, not easy. everything. Yeah, I, I have a story. I have a, I have a story that I want to tell you. Yeah. Um, so when I first started at Brack Systems, and I remember, like, I mean, I, I was an inside salesperson, and when I moved into an outside sales role, yeah. my very first outside sales call—I'll I'll never forget this because this basically molded me to who I am today. Mm -hmm. And so I remember that I got a—I got a lead, and um, I called the customer. And the customer will actually want to have a face-to-face -face meeting. Okay. You got to keep, keep in mind, I had no outside experience, but I, I wasn't afraid. Yeah. And so I remember um, booking a meeting with this client and getting ready to get into my car to go and meet the client. And I happened to just bump into Robert on my way out. And Robert's like, where are you going? And I was like, I'm going to a meeting. He goes, you're going to a meeting to go see who? And I said, I'm going to see a customer. He goes, oh, I'm coming with you. So him and I jump in the car. We go downtown. Uh, the name of the company is Buck Consultants. Okay. okay. So, yeah, I remember it to the day. And so him and I go in. We go into a boardroom. There is eight people on their side, and there is two people, me and Robert, yeah. uh, in this boardroom. And so I booked this meeting. I want to go see these guys. I want to talk about who we are and, you know, in the whole nine yards. I'm bringing the CEO of the organization to the meeting. So we go in and we sit in this big board, me board meeting and we're all sitting around and I'm waiting for Robert to start Yeah. because typically if you're going with your CEO, I have never done an outside sales call. You know, your CEO would step in and he would start the conversation. Nah, there's silence. So no one's saying anything. And when I just happened to blurb some crap out there that made absolutely no sense. Okay. Absolutely no sense. Yeah. But I said some things and then he jumped in eventually and then kind of basically walked them through, you know, the conversation of the meeting and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. At the end of the, at the end of the presentation, what I said to those guys, I said, listen, I'll be very transparent with you. I'm brand new as yeah. an outside salesperson. And here's the one thing I will leave with you. Yeah. I will definitely call you back anytime you want me to call you back. I will definitely get all the urgent requests that you give me at a timely fashion. I will be the guy for you Perfect. and I'll never let you guys down. And I left them with that message. That's probably the most positive thing I ever said all day. So we get back, <laughs> so, so we get back into um, the car and we're driving all the way from downtown to Mississauga. At the time our office was in Mississauga yeah. for, I think it was like a 45 minute drive. Robert yelled at me for the entire 45 minutes, entire 45 minutes. Yeah. He said, you don't know what you're doing. You completely screwed up the meeting. This was a complete waste of time. You're bringing the CEO of the organization for a waste of time meeting. That sounds like a lot of the times that you yelled at me. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, it, it's, it's lessons learned, right? You know what I mean? It's all translated over. You know, you learn that and then you translate over to somebody else that, you know, you think is an up and coming. But anyway, so, you know, I took it. You know what I mean? For that 45 minutes, I let him yell at me. You know what I mean? I wasn't one of those guys that combated and said, you know what I mean? You're completely wrong. You're an idiot for, you know what I mean? Yelling at me and the whole nine yards. I took it. Yeah. And I took the feedback that he gave me and I said, no problem. And in the background, what I ended up doing is I ended up working my ass off because it bugged me 
that he felt that I wasted his time and that I didn't have the ability to close this opportunity. And so in the back end, I worked my ass off. I actually got the order. Back in those days, I yes, I am a little bit older. We used to get orders coming through fax machines. Oh, boy. Nope. <laughs> right? Do not date yourself here. Like yeah, and so orders used to come through the fax machine. And so the order comes in, and I remember taking the fax that I got from this company, Buck Consultants, and walking into his office. And I said, do you remember the deal that you went on a meeting with me and you told me that I completely wasted your time and that I'm never going to close this business? I handed, the, I handed the fax over to him and I said, here's the order and you're welcome. And I don't even need <laughs> you to pay me commissions on it. And I walked out of his office. That was the day, I'm telling you, Dakota, that was the day that I earned all the respect from that guy right. and that he stopped disbelieving in my ability. And you know what? At the end of that year, I was the only salesperson in the entire company to hit their annual target. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. That's a great story. Yeah, I love it. I love <laughs> I it. That's crazy. No, no. I remember. I mean, he was famous for that, right? In terms of putting you on the spot. And I'll never forget, he pulled me into a sales meeting. I don't remember. I don't know if you remember the first deal I ever closed was off a cold call. It was a um, 100K deal to the CIO of that bank. That tier two bank. Do you remember that? No, no. What was the name? Do you remember the name? Well, yeah, it was Home Trust. Okay. Oh, yes, yes, yes. So he he pulled me. Yeah. So he pulled uh, me and the other like the other guys on my team, and it's like Dakota's eighteen. She knows nothing. I don't understand why she's doing big things that you guys aren't doing. <laughs> and I was like, wow, thanks for the confidence, Robert. I appreciate it. Um, but he knew, like, I think at that point, if I was, and these guys, the guys on my team had a lot of experience, um, over me, at least they were junior, but they were, had more experience than me. And so I think to your point, if you're willing to learn, you're willing to put in the time and you have a bit of a chip on your shoulder. I was the young person and nobody really expected anything from me. There was pros and cons that come with that. Right. You definitely had a chip on your shoulder. Cause I remember I had to, and you know what though? And it's, again, it's lessons learned from. You know, I mean, when I was when I was growing up, I remember I was exactly like you when you first started. I was so eager. I wanted to get going. And I used to remember that the senior sales reps in the company used to always tell me, relax, your time will come. And I'm sitting there saying, screw that. And so I used to try to do that with you. And I remember and I was like, there's no way I'm going to be able to stop her because I was the exact same way growing up. A hundred percent. Yeah. And on the, le- on the lessons learned piece, I think this is good. I don't know if you remember the first lesson uh, that I learned from you. It was before I even started at the Hertz Rec Group. It was during the interview process. Do you remember? That? No, tell, tell me about it. Yeah, so this is a good one. I talk about this all the time. So you would ask me a very direct question, which was, what is your expectation of, of salary? Right? You asked me a very direct question. And again, right. I had no sales experience, no business experience. I was brand new, super green. And I said, oh, you know, between 30 and 35,000. Like that was my answer between 30 and 35,000. Do you remember what you came back to me with? What the I opposite? probably gave you 30. No, <laughs> no. You me, no, you gave me 32, five. Okay? okay. Right in the spot that like right in the middle. Okay. Right in the middle. And so I, I remember getting it and feeling like what a slap in the face and laughing. Like I was excited about the opportunity, obviously. And I remember you called me. This is, I didn't even have a cell phone. You called my house. You called my mom's house. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you said to me, you, 
at Dakota, you know, looking forward to having you on board. You asked me, uh, I asked what you were looking to earn. You said between 30 and 35, so I'm giving you 32.5. In between. You typically get what you ask for. When somebody asks you a direct question, give them a direct answer. Like that's, right. that's I'll never forget it. I for me at the time it was like, wow, I should have just I should have asked <laughs> for what I yeah. for what I wanted. I think salespeople and, and there were so many times where like, you know, I was nervous to ask a question. And you said if somebody's serious about doing business with you, Dakota, they're serious. There's nothing you could say to them outside of obviously being rude and appropriate. There's no question you could ask them or probe that would piss them off if they were serious. Right? Very true. Very true. I think salespeople have a hard time being super direct and asking those questions, asking for the sale. Is that a challenge that you see that goes on in junior sales reps or even experienced sales reps? All day long. I mean, people are, you know, I mean, afraid of rejection. Right. And so, you know, I mean, they would rather not ask the question and just let things just play along, which is complete disaster. Like, I mean, me, I want to know in advance. Like, I mean, if you're not going to work with me, tell me today that you're not going to work with me because you know what? I'll move on to the next person. 100%. And right. we, we say, we, I know you commented on my, my post on LinkedIn talking about separating the serious from the curious. So yeah. Like cutting out people who you should not waste time with and, and asking just direct questions. I think that's something that a lot of, of people have a hard time with. Do you think it's something like to your point, you said to me that I learned, um, I, I came in green, you learned, you came in green, but was there an innate quality or characteristic that I had that you thought, okay, this is why she's going to be successful. Uh, you're a people person. So okay. you're a people person in a sense that you have the ability to have a conversation. You sure. know what I mean? That, that, like, I mean, sales, if you can't talk to the other person and be able to relate and be able to understand the other person's needs and wants, yeah. you're not going to be successful in sales. And sure. I think, you know what I mean? And I think that, you know, when I met you and you were working at a restaurant, I think, you know, that lends for it. Obviously, you have to communicate with people. And so you're a great communicator. And yeah. so that is, that is one of the keys because people are going to remember you. You know what I mean? Yeah, 100%. Right. Yeah, 100%. And I think, do you think that it's something like innate to sell? Let me give you an example. I had somebody on my team that was not in sales come to me and say, I really want to move to sales. I really want to get into sales, but they're super, super introverted, right? So I just had to have a matter of fact conversation, right? Which is, listen, that's like trying to teach a dolphin to fly. Like they'll never be able to do it. Like no matter, <laughs> no matter how hard somebody tries, right? Like no matter how hard you want to, it's not innate to you. We both played basketball. My brother played basketball for years. You can't teach height, right? You just yeah. can't. Like if some people are born with certain things, some people aren't. So for me, I said to the person, I just had to be, you know, have a heart to heart and say, listen, the hardest thing about sales is having a very direct conversation with somebody and asking them for money. You don't even like talking to people on a regular. Right. So to me, like what's one good characteristic that you would say, okay, yes, this is, this person will be successful versus what's a characteristic that you'd say this person shouldn't even bother, you know, down a path of sales, like just off the top of your head. Yeah. Like, I mean, I find the people who are successful are the ones that, you know, a can strike a conversation yeah. um, B be realistic about what they're working on and they don't have this imagination that everybody loves them and everybody wants to work with them. So yeah. that's key. Like, I mean, your phrase that you mentioned, you know, I mean, separating the curious from the people who actually want to buy. That's, it's so true. Like, I mean, you, you know, you, you, you have to, you have to distinguish who the real players are and who are not the real players. 
You know what I mean? Because you, we, at the end of the day, to be a great salesperson, you have a choice. Mm-hmm. You don't have to work something that you think is not, you know what I mean? That's not going to, you know, move into something that's going to be successful for you. You have that choice. And the problem is, is most people get confused with that choice and thinking that they're busy. Right. Busy doesn't tr- translate into, into actual sales. You know what I mean? Yes, I do. And I see this a lot with yeah. a lot of my clients, like I said to you, who they have sales reps just, you know, in the CRM every day, updating things. And then you go in and it actually never translates into anything real, right? Just because you're out at lunch with somebody, right? And I learned this when you guys, you know, decided to cut the expense account <laughs> for yeah. people who are going to go out to lunch who are not buying. But I understand it as a business owner now. Right. No, but there's a, there's a means to an end, you know what I mean? And it's not, it's not so much that you want to cut the expenses. You know what I mean? I have a big rule, you know what I mean? And I tell salespeople this, I don't want you taking any net new customers that you have not done any business with. And there's a reason for that because you don't want to leave that false sense of hope that, you know what I mean? That that's going to lead towards more business. I think that business lunches and dinners are a way to thank people, sure. you know what I mean? For their business, yeah. that is a way to entice them to do business. You know what I mean? And there's a difference because, and I, and I've, and I've watched a number of my salespeople in the past who purely do entertainment and don't know how to leverage the entertainment into doing business. Right. Right. And so most owners don't care if you can translate, you know what I mean? Doing the entertainment business, as long as you're, you know, providing sales at the end of the day, it's okay. But like, I mean, if you're purely entertaining and you ain't closing anything, what's the point of entertainment? A thousand percent. A thousand percent. Like That's crazy. I mean, I think people, again, get into the, oh, the person likes me. We're friends. Yeah. And, and it's like the, the, the thing of a, about a relationship is it's give and get. It can't yeah. just be give, give, give and not get anything. Right? I, I am amazed when people tell me that customers are their friends. Like, I mean, <laughs> I'm, not saying, I'm not saying that you can't be friends with people. But it's, like, I mean, you know, I mean, I think in, in, in the business of sales, we have a lot of people that we talk to. And if you make everybody want, everyone is your friend or you think everyone is your friend, yeah. I, I just don't know if that's reality. Yeah, yeah. And I, I want to like dig into the, the characteristic thing because obviously recruitment is a very tough thing in the sales space. It's, so, it's hard. Again, like what, when you're looking for salespeople, what are some, outside of their resume, right, outside of their experience, what are some of the key characteristics? Like, and then I want to touch on astrology quickly because I know that that's something that you always used to talk to me about. Like I'm a Pisces. What are you again? Yeah, Cancer. Cancer. Okay. You talked about that a lot. You would always ask people what their sign is. Like, was, was that fluff or do you, do you think there's a correlation there actually? Well, there's a correlation because, you know, I mean, I, again, I've been around a lot of people. And so I, I take the time and the interest mm-hmm. when I meet somebody to understand what is their, is their zodiac sign. Okay. And simply because, there's certain traits that I, I believe that you can learn about individuals and how they act and how they are in terms of pressure situation that I've learned over the years that I think it's not everyone's the same, obviously, but you know what I mean? It, it, they're, they're there. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. And to answer your question in terms of recruitment process, like, I mean, that is the, probably the number one most difficult thing to do. You know what I mean? Is to bring somebody in and to interview them for an hour yeah. and expect that, you know, I mean, that this individual is ever going to be successful or not. Yeah. You know, so it's hard. Like, I mean, you know, I look for, you know, why are they in sales? You yeah. know what I mean? You know, that's a question, a general question that I'll ask them. 
Why are you in sales? What are you doing it? You know what I mean? And, and people, and, and your, your audience may not want to hear this, but I mean, I think people that say, I do it to help as their number one reason, I yeah. think they're lying to themselves. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or, you know what I mean? It's just, it's, it's completely false. Anyone yeah. who's in sales typically is doing it because they want to make money. Well, 100%. Like, and I say, it, when I'm hiring the folks that like we're bringing on board, even for clients, because we do recruitment for clients, like if your number one answer isn't because you want to make money, then this just isn't going to be a good fit. Like, and that's just the reality, yeah. right? Like you're not, you didn't choose to be a doctor or lawyer or teacher because you're passionate about that, right? Like, let's be real. So, I, I mean, for me, it's definitely money has to be at the top right? Like to be in my experience and any of the most successful salespeople that I've ever been around or learned from, that was their answer every time. Yeah. So I, I do think there's a method to that. You, obviously you've recruited and you've managed um, a ton of salespeople over the years. Yeah. What's some like advice that you would give to, let's talk about like VPs and directors of sales managing a team. Cause you were really good at digging into the bullshit. Uh, in sales meetings, right? Um, to get to the real answer. I, I don't know if people are as good at that. Um, so let's talk about that. Like, what are some, some things that you do? Sales management is, is very, very difficult. I you, hate, get, you know that I hate it. Yeah. You, 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 gotta, you gotta put yourself in a position. Like, I mean, you, when you become a sales manager and you're responsible for a team and you're responsible for a number, you're counting on individuals to be able to deliver that number on your behalf. And yeah. so it's, it is one of the most frustrating things uh, that you can go through as a manager. But I think the, the key is understanding the people that you're, you're, you're working with. Like, I mean, individuals, you cannot treat, treat, treat all the individuals on your team the exact same way. You got to treat them differently because they all operate differently and they, they take things in differently. And so you got to really understand the people who you manage and what makes them tick and what doesn't make them tick. And I yep. think apply that, and I think you can be successful doing that. I've had to learn it, and I mean, it's, it's difficult. You know, I mean, I've had sales reps in the crunch of things in the 11th hour when, you know, things go really hard, kind of hide. Sure. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Like, I mean, you, you, you can't find these people. Like, I mean, at the end of the quarter, <laughs> you're calling them to get an update, and you can't find Joe because Joe is, like, you know what I mean, scared in the corner somewhere because he doesn't have good news. Yep. You know what I mean? Evan, I have other reps that are like full on, fully communicative, you know what I mean? And they tell you everything that's going on in the opportunities. So it's just, it's an individual base. You just got to learn it from people. It's tough. You know what I mean? You will not become a great sales manager in your first, second year or third year. It's going to take you some time. It's an interesting topic because I think for me, um, and, I, and I've talked to you about this, like I, I correlate back to sports where... I always was frustrated as to why nobody was caring as much about winning. Like, yeah. why didn't everybody care as much as me? Why weren't you working as hard? And right. so the expectation is not to have you be mean, but it's for you to care as much as me. And then that's just not realistic, right? Yeah. So it, it's trying to figure out, is the best salespeople, like, do, do you think they should be, the best sales manager should be salespeople or should a sales manager just be a manager? I know this is a topic that comes around a lot. Well, what are your thoughts on that? Because I personally think I'm a great salesperson. Yeah. I don't think I'm a great sales manager. And so yeah. should there just be somebody that comes in and manages the salespeople? It, it all depends on what you're trying to achieve and the level of the company that you work for. You know what I mean? So, you know, can, 
great salespeople become great sales managers? Yes, they can. You know what I mean? I'm sure that there's professional managers, but I think that the, the outcomes are very different as well, too. Right. You know what I mean? A sales guy kind of knows, you know what I mean? I've gone through the battle. I know how to sell. I know how to pick up the phone. I know how to make a call, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Does, a, does a professional sales manager have that same quality? You know what I mean? You know, most salespeople frown against sales managers yeah. that have never been a salesperson. Exactly. Exactly. Right. The personality is not there. Right, right. So it's, it's, it's hard. And, I, and I've seen it. We've hired a number of professional salespeople in our organization, and it's never worked. It's, it's never worked. It's actually been a disaster. Yeah, yeah, agreed. I think yeah. I worked for some of them, so I know. <laughs> I know what you mean. But no, yeah. it's a challenge. I think a lot of sales managers have this challenge, directors and VPs, because it's tough. For, for actual salespeople, um, what are, what, what's some advice that you would give to salespeople to, to shorten their sales cycle? And just, yeah, just, just to comment back on the sales management piece, like, I mean, you know, one of the things that I've learned and I've started to really do really well yeah. is get engaged on a day-to-day -day stuff with your people. Okay. You know what I mean, and so, you know, I have this model. If you don't trust it, you got to go do it yourself to a certain degree. Not, not saying that I want to overcome what my sales reps are doing or anything, but you want to be involved in those conversations because you're going to hear things. And this is, this is where you can take that information and take it into a learning session with the sales reps so they can get better. It's all about training, constant training with these people. Right. And so if you don't show them how to do it, it's going to be very difficult for them to, you know, understand it on their own and yeah. be able to, you know, do it moving forward. A hundred percent. I think the train to speak on the training piece, because we help a, a lot of clients with training. Like I know there's training, like sit in a, you know, sit in a classroom style training. I, I don't buy into that. I think we're trying to like throw people into the bullpen and see what happens. So I remember when I started cold calling, it was literally, here's a script. There's a phone. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> Good luck. Take <laughs> <Sink> or swim, <laughs> right? <laughs> right? Yeah. Take or swim, figure it out. Um, I, I like that component. So I, I agree with you. Training isn't critical, but style, different styles of training, right? Not necessarily sitting in a classroom and reading a book of how to cold call 101. Like I think there needs right. to be some actual, that actually happening and going to meetings, right? You would right. plug me with a lot of the senior sales reps and I got to go on meetings with them, right? right. And learn. And so how, how critical, um, like, do you think training is to a sales rep's success? Yeah, it, it's critical. Like, I mean, depending on what level of training that you're providing this individual, but it's critical. Like, I mean, uh, you know, unless you are a special, special individual sure. that can walk into an environment and be able to understand what's going on in that environment and be able to, you know, emulate some of the success that some of the people are doing, yeah. you may fail. You know what I'm saying? And, but but that's, who I, that's who I am. And that's probably who you are as well, too. So when I grew up coming in, up in sales, we didn't have a training manual. I didn't go through training protocols. What I did is I, I attached myself to the number one salesperson in the organization. And I said, what is this guy doing? Tell me about your stories. And so I remember when I was younger, I used to be in the office till 7, 8 o'clock at night. And the only reason why I did that, because I wanted to hang out with the senior reps to understand how their day was. Tell me about an opportunity. Give me a live example. And I learned that way. And, you know, I mean, for me, by examples, that was the way I, I came up as a salesperson, you know what I mean, in terms of training. 
that's how I learn as well. Like I, I don't, I don't read through, I don't learn through like books. I don't read books. I know a lot of people talk about, oh, you got to read 10 books a month. And <laughs> I, I don't read books. I think I, I'm doing this podcast too, because I think a lot of people learn through listening and yeah. hearing real life examples, right? Like that's how I learn. Um, I think, you know, to, to speak to your point about like the senior sales reps, I definitely, and you kind of spent time with them and stayed late to learn. I, I did the same thing because I, I felt why reinvent the wheel? Like somebody's done this before. They found a way to be successful. Sure, you have your own style and you yeah. add it to it, but why reinvent the wheel, right? Like just attach yourself to people who've done it. I don't know if you remember ever saying this to me. You said, don't take advice from people who aren't where you want to be. Exactly. Right? So, and, and so I, I've never taken advice from somebody who isn't where I want to be. You can always learn, you know, from people's successes or, or pitfalls, but don't take advice from people. You know, who you know it, it amazes me on that comment. Like, I mean, we hire brand new salespeople who come into an organization. Yeah. You know what they do? They, they attach themselves to somebody that they're comfortable with, right. not the person. And, and so I seen the guy, we hired a guy, he came on board and you know, I mean, he was taking advice from a guy who never closed anything more than like a hundred thousand dollars a quarter. And right. that's the guy he's taking advice from when the guy literally beside him yeah. was doing $5 million <laughs> you know what I mean? Every year. And it amazed me that, you know what I mean? It's just that people just don't gravitate to that. Like, I mean, I'm not going to the guy who's doing less. I'm going to the guy who's doing more. There's a reason why he's doing more. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I mean, I think, but not to your point, some people are intimidated by that um, and don't want to put themselves out there because if they fail, well, then it, then, then it looks bad. Right. Yeah. But like, yeah. you'd rather try and make the, I mean, at least me and people who have that same makeup, you'd rather try and make the effort. Right? I agree. So it's, it's interesting. I think what's like a, a, a motto kind of that you, or like a, like a methodology that you kind of live by, like what's a sta statement? Like if there was a quote for George, like what would that be? Putting you on the spot on that one, but just curious. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what's the quote? Like, I mean, what what's do I live by? Um, be true to yourself. Like, I mean, I think, you know, when you're, when you're working stuff, don't lie to yourself. You know what I mean? It's either you're going to be successful doing a specific engagement or an opportunity. Just be, be very, very truthful to yourself in terms of, you know, your ability to close that opportunity. Yeah. So I, I, I try to just, you know, live by that because I think if you're truthful to yourself, you know, your, your rate of success is going to be a lot better and yeah. also, be, and also be you. Sure. You know what I mean? And I yeah. think you know, that's, that's very important. Like, I mean, I am who I am. You know what I mean? And I'm good. And, and, and people are either going to like me or they're not going to like me. I'm going to understand that. And so, you know, I mean, I can only be me. And, you know, so I, I try to do that as best as my ability as well, too. Yeah. yeah. Be, be true. Be authentic to your point. Yeah. Like not everybody's going to, I'm definitely an acquired taste. Not everybody <laughs> likes me, but if you like me, you like me. You know me. this. <laughs> <laughs> and if you don't, you don't. And that's okay. Right. right. Um, but to your, I, I want to touch on that as a last point. You talk about being true to yourself, being real to yourself. And I think a lot of salespeople, we have a series coming out uh, that's called Happy Ears. Because oh. it's going <laughs> to talk about sales reps being realistic with themselves, right? Being real. Um, right. What's actually going on in the opportunity. And so it's funny because we came up, like I would just record on my sales floor, you know, some of the responses that I would get and somebody comes to me, oh, well, you know, they, they really want our service and they're really excited and he really likes me. Okay, what's the budget? Oh, I'm not sure. <laughs> what's the timeline? <laughs> oh, I don't know. 
right? Yeah. Just like, whoa. So uh, at the last point, like, how important, how critical is happy ears? Like, do you see that happening often? Yeah, uh, all, all the time, all the time. And I think, you know, I mean, as, as a manager, that's one of the things that I have to challenge the individual on because they may say something. And so I have to validate what you're saying to the real truth. And, you know, I mean, I continue to ask that question is, so if your story continues to change, I know that you have no clue in terms of what you're talking about. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing. So our quarter just finished and, you know, we were going through forecast meetings on a daily basis, um, you know, to, to get the numbers in. And I remember, you know, having a conversation with an individual on my, on my team and I'm talking to them about the opportunities that we're trying to close. And I knew this was a red flag because he kept on telling me about stuff that was in Q2. Uh, okay. So this raised an immediate red flag to me. So people tend to talk about positive things when they don't have, when, you know, they don't want to deliver the bad news. So they talk about the positive things, right? And so I kept on telling the guy, I was like, you know, I mean, that's great. You know what I mean? We're going to get to that. You know what I mean? But tell me about these specific opportunities. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's when you know it, reps are lying to you as well, too. <laughs> Dig in. I mean, I think I always remember you saying to me, like, your job as a salesperson, like, you're an investigator, right? Your, your job is to investigate, is to keep asking questions till you get to the answer. Even if you get to a no, great, let's move yeah. on, right? Like, but dig in, dig in, and, and, and keep going. Like, I think that's something that a lot of salespeople, they're uncomfortable with, they hesitate with. And I, I'll, I'll, I'm, I will never have to learn that lesson again because my first uh, quarter with you guys, or my first year, I missed President's Club by 20% of my number. Oh, I remember. I, oh yeah. And oh, I, I remember. <laughs> <laughs> we had a very uncomfortable conversation about that. I remember. And I, and I, and I had the deal in my pipeline, right? Yeah, I, I had the deal in my pipeline, but I was just hesitant to have the conversation with the prospect, right? Cause I thought, oh, maybe, you know, he'll get pissed off and then I won't, you know, close it in Q1 and I could start my year off and, you know, it was just, it was, it was immaturity, but it was also just lack of experience. And, and now I would obviously never do that. Um, right. But it takes those lessons, uh, real lessons of getting punched in the face and, you know, watching everybody else in Cuba or Dominica, wherever you guys went, <laughs> and I didn't get to go, yeah. um, never need to learn that lesson again. Right. Yeah. Like, I think it's, it's, it's critical for people. Um, you know, you know, the other number one issue of, uh, uh, salespeople that don't succeed. Yeah. It's, it's lack of, lack of opportunities. Okay. Like, you know I mean? People that don't have a big enough pipeline do desperate things and they do really, really bad stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because they don't have a pipeline. And so you're, you're confined to working on those specific opportunities that you have and yeah. you're doing everything to close that. And so you become doing desperate things. Yeah. Happy years. Happy years. Yeah. And you would say yeah. 10, oh, you know, have 10 times your pipeline. Right, because at, at least that, yeah, yeah, at least that. Depending on depending on how you forecast, like I said, every individual forecasts very differently. I have guys on my team that will forecast ten opportunities, and all ten opportunities will close. There you go. Yeah, and I have guys that forecast ten opportunities, and only one of them will close in a time frame that they need it to close. You know what well, I mean? Well, well, qualification, right? Oh, that's the yeah, timeline, budget, decision maker, are like. All of these things that people, like, they're not even paying attention to. They're just like, oh, the guy's nice. Yeah. And they might need it. Like, who cares? Right? Yeah. Like, is it qualified? So, yeah, I, I hear you. I think, um, 
you know, I think this will be super helpful um, for people uh, in the sales world, in the business world. I think you've, you've dropped a lot of, of gems here. And, and I think the, the best advice that I could ever give to salespeople, it's like you, and you would say this to me all the time, the best salespeople actually listen more than they talk. Yeah, I agree. Right? I agree a thousand percent. And I don't think a lot of salespeople know that. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, that's, that's another bad quality. Like, I mean, if you talk more than a client, that's a big issue. Like, I mean, it should be 15 minutes, you 45 minutes, a client, because you know what, at the end of the day, you got to make them feel important and they're the client. Yep. hundred percent. So thank you so much for your time today, George, any leaving yes. message you want to leave with our podcast listeners today? Um, you know, advice for 2020, um, and, and beyond, like what's something you want to kind of just give us as, as a leaving piece. Yeah. Thank you for having me on. I mean, I, I appreciate it. I think you had to twist my arm a little bit to get me on the podcast. <laughs> good sales, but, uh, buddy. I'm good at sales. <laughs> I really appreciate it. I mean, I am, you know, I mean, so amazed in terms of what you've been able to achieve in a very short period of time in terms of your career, you know, and I, you're an I mean, I brought you on board and you actually have started to inspire me to do a little bit more things as well too. And so I thank you for that. And, you know, I think in terms of 2020 and what's, what's, what's going on beyond, like, I mean, we have a great opportunity in front of us. I know that, you know, the economy right now is having a tough time, but we're yeah. going to get through this obviously. And I think once we get beyond this, you know, I mean, the, the opportunity for business is going to continue to grow. Yeah. And I think that, you know, I mean, we're in the right field, spe specifically what we do, sure. you know, yeah. I mean, cyber, it's, it's, it's a fantastic, like, I mean, people in cyber don't stop buying technologies. Absolutely. Right? And so, you know, I mean, I am excited about the future yeah. and I think that there's going to be tons more opportunity that are going to open up after, you know, I mean, we get through the, you know, the economic challenges that we're having right now. Perfect. Okay. So, Thanks so much, George. Great, you do great things. You know, I mean, you're, I think you're a positive role model to a lot of people and, you know, I mean, and I want to see continued success from you. Thank you. I appreciate that very much. Thanks for the kind words <laughs> and uh, we will talk soon. Okay. Thanks. Yeah. Nicole. Bye. Okay. Bye. Bye.